are back with another episode of the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey, and unfortunately, he's not able to be part of the interview this week, but don't worry, he will be back next week. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. We also recognize that any time Reformation has ever happened or is happening, it's very messy. So we're having conversations with pastors throughout the CRC to talk about what's happening in our denomination and also about what Reformation might look like. We also want to take the opportunity to say thanks to all of you who've been faithfully listening to this podcast every week, and we want to say thanks for all of the positive feedback you've given us, and we want to encourage you to keep listening each week and keep sharing this with whoever you think would benefit from these conversations. Now on to part two of our interview with Brian Dunn. some of the things that are happening that uh, are concerning to you in our denomination? Yeah, I mean, everybody has their pitfalls, right? And uh, without a doubt, we do as as well. Um, I think some of the obvious things have to be the, the uh, um, grab at gravitation towards a liberalization of our um, uh, views on sexuality um, and things of that sort. Um, I think though that that goes hand in hand with a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about, right? The the abandonment of the theological ground that we're, we're in uh, and ultimately an abandonment of the word right and yeah it's not as if we've ever moved away from the word we've just moved away from our our sort of uh um deep uh deep understanding of it our 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 high view of it and i just feel like we've 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 gravitated um to viewing scripture as a as as man's best interpretation of god Mm. Rather than than God's uh, God's word to us, um, you know, and um, yeah, I mean, if we if we really adhere to our confessions, our creeds, and, and such, that's just it would just be un, unheard of for us to do that. Yeah, so. yeah, and I I do think um, I'd be curious if you would agree with me. I but I think this is part of that pendulum swing. Mm. um as why we're we've kind of gone where we were that as i've talked to i've tried to talk to a lot of people from different generations and i've talked to people who said well you know our when i was in the church they just hammered this stuff they they cared more about doctrine than people and so we're going to care more about people than doctrine and uh and there's kind of been that idea and attitude that you know, if we care too much about doctrine, then we don't really love people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so in order for us to love people, we have to kind of change. And I know, obviously, people would get probably angry at me characterizing it that way. But it seems like that 
to some degree that we have to kind of soften things down and, uh, and move away from it. Or even um, we, you know, people worry if we start focusing too much on doctrine in a church that we're going to lose people, that, that people are going to be bored and not interested in it. Right. And right. so we need to, we need to downplay the doctrine aspect of it and we need to focus more on relationships, you know? Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I would actually go back to something that you said earlier, right. When I was talking about the pendulum before and what are our motivations in, in these sorts of things, because it, it almost seems like we've sort of bitten off the sort of cultural aspects uh, of emotionalism, right? Yeah. We tend to be, uh, we, we tend to find, find folks who are, are just responding to some of the issues of our day on an emotional level, rather than trying to think through it with logic and um yeah um you know i don't know it, it when obviously if you respond in an emotional way to to a a cousin a daughter uh, a son that you're, you're going to respond with some emotion to someone who comes out uh yeah to you and and that's going to shape some sort of interpretation that you have but um it's hard. It's really hard. I wish that something, <laughs> I wish that we had a different issue that we were dealing with in our day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, this is the one that the Lord has given us. Um, so when it comes to issues of sexuality, but it just seems to me that if, if we really believe and hold the scriptures on the highest of authority that it should be, um, it, it seems to speak plainly and clearly on these, these sorts of issues. And it really, I don't know. I just don't, I mean, certainly how we our approach and things of that sort can be discussed and debated. um, But the reality uh, the scripture clearly, clearly speaks against um, kind of, you know, homosexuality and things of this sort Mm -hmm. uh, as a, as a lifestyle. Um, It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I don't know, it's just just very clear. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think scripture is really clear on it. And it's, sometimes it's even hard for us to understand um, how people can kind of get to the point of affirming it, right? Outside of, I mean, I've known, I've, I've had friends who, who have struggled with homosexual desires over the years. I've had friends who have just fully embraced the homosexual lifestyle. Um, it's not like I'm not involved in any of this at all, um, disconnected. And so it's, it's a tough conversation to have. And I have watched a number of parents, you know, I mean, if your own child is embracing this and saying, if you don't, if you don't approve of this, then you don't really love me. That's a hard, that's a hard place to be as a parent too. But but again, I think um, I think that a lot of that comes down to right. I, I love these people, and yet, um, actually, I love them, which is why I have to say that this is not good for you, right? This is not how God has created us to live, and and uh, if you keep going down this road, it's going to end up um, not good. 
And so just because, because I love them, I have to speak against it. But our culture has kind of embraced this idea that by saying that it's bad, you don't love them, right? Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, I, I, I wonder too, if is that I wonder going back to, um, connecting the dots, right? Showing how our theological positions are the theology that we know, we love these creeds, confessions, and that uh, being able to firmly and um, beautifully articulate real world implications and such, I wonder if that isn't at least part of, part of our job um, of, of moving forward with this to, to help people help people sort of move beyond. Um, yeah, I don't know. And, and into uh, just move beyond into uh, real uh, back into a firm foundation and um, yeah, just recovering some of this. As, as Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think for me too, one of the things I've really, strive to do over the years Um, I know a lot of teenagers and a lot of people worry that or have this idea of Christianity being about things we should not do right all the ten commandments ten commands don't do this don't do that don't do this and and uh and yet um Calvin and our catechism that's one of the things I actually I like about the Heidelberg catechism is it it actually helps us see that even the Ten Commandments are more than just a don't do this, but they actually then paint the opposite picture of this is how we've been created to live in the world, right? So don't steal also means work hard and live generously yeah. in the world. And, uh, and, and trying to help paint this positive picture of what the Christian life looks like in the world and that it's not that Christianity is not just a bunch of people out there saying, well, we don't do those things, but actually saying, no, this is how we've been created to live. This, if we, if we live this way, there's, there's a freedom in Christ that, that the world doesn't know. And so there's actually a beauty to living out the Christian life in the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what, uh, what do you think about steps the church needs to take then? I mean, we, we see some of these concerns with uh, this kind of slide more into liberalism, like you said, and um, especially right now, right now, the, the big conversation in this CRC right now is this issue of hom- uh, homosexuality, the big sexuality report that's coming out. Yeah. Uh, well, it came out. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be discussed hopefully at Synod 2021, hopefully COVID doesn't uh, cause a mess with Assuming that. Meet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's the big one. Um, what steps do you think um, we need to be taking as a denomination to, uh, to make sure we're heading in the right direction? Because I mean, there's a lot of people and part of the, one of the reasons why we wanted to start this podcast was there's a lot of people who are talking about, Hey, if we don't handle this right, um, we're done. We're leaving the CRC. 
And so uh, what do you think we need to do to try to keep our denomination together, but also um, heading in the right direction? I feel that tension. I certainly feel that, that tension even, even up here in Canada. And um, a lot of that even <clears throat> coming, uh, you know, a lot of that is, is probably from watching what is happening in Grand Rapids and um, in our case, Burlington. Um, yeah, uh, man, I, it feels to me that it just, I don't know, tried and true is where to go, right? You know, it's like returning to our roots. Maybe that sounds cliche. Um, and I, you know, you can, some of my influences and the reason why I, I ended up here was this hunger for God's word. And, um, um, yeah, I, I just really think that we have to, we have to really continue to reachieve that, that hunger for God's word. I mean, it just, it just, man, makes us set apart, makes us different than the world around us. And we should be expecting if we're following God's word, if we're, we should be expecting to receive some rubs, some sort of conflict with the world around us. Right? If, if, there, if the world around us is affirming everything that we're essentially saving, we're probably doing something wrong. Yeah, amen. I mean, so I, I just really think that we need to recapture and center ourselves on, on God's word. Um, and I think some of that comes through actually adhering to our confessions um and digging deep into them uh, I, I mentioned I, i've been doing a lot of study a lot of reading of the belgic confession lately um it is by i just love it it's by by far my favorite of our three forms of unity and uh, you know you you read the belgic and it spends five articles just really delving into the ins and outs of God's word and why it is so important to us. Article seven, it just speaks of, of how God's word is, is, uh, you know, it's interesting that it, the Latin title of that, uh, I, I just recently learned actually says the perfection of scripture. Mm. I, and I, I think that that's an amazing truth for us to re capture in, in some ways you think about this we we wrote off any sort of adherence to inerrancy or uh anything of that sort in the 60s um yeah and maybe we need to revisit that and it's not that necessarily even using that word is is what is ideal right but what comes with the you know combining inerrancy and infallibility right yeah. it just becomes the scriptures become this super high, I mean, the highest authority on earth for us. And it should drive us. Um, you know, that was one of the biggest things that we're, we're talking, you talk in a messy reformation here, right? Yeah. That was one of the, one of the biggest, I mean, the secondary cause of the reformation originally was sola scriptura, right? Yeah. The authority and presence of scripture in the life of the believer. And so why, you know, we, we need to just really 
I think I think primarily we need to recover the the authority of Scripture in the life of the church, um, and we can do that through our confessions as well. Amen. Yeah, I was. Uh, it's kind of funny that you had mentioned that. Well, I mean, I think just throughout history, for one, I think you're right. I think not only the Reformation, but any Reformation has always been the result of turning back to God's Word. Yeah. And and uh, but I was reading Calvin this morning on uh, um, from First Timothy, and he said he says this: uh, the chief things demanded from a teacher or a pastor are these two things: that he should hold by the pure truth of the gospel, is the first one, and then next that he should administer it with a good conscience and an honest zeal where these are found, all the mm. other things will follow in their own accord. And I think that's true yeah, that, that he's Amen. calling pastors. He said, if, if you want to see reformation, do two things, hold to the pure truth of God's word and then preach it and teach it and disciple people with it, with passion and zeal. And when you do that, Everything else will start falling into place. And yet, <clears throat> as I talk about that, um, it's actually a messy process, though, right? Because when we start holding, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> when we start, we start directing people back to God's word, they start going, well, wait, God's word says this, but we're doing this. <laughs> and, uh, and things need to start things start changing and uh and ideas start coming into collision with one another and and there's tension which i think is what's happening right now um in our denomination right and everybody starts getting nervous anytime there's any tension that happens and yet this tension is actually necessary we have to have the tension and we actually have to have this uh this fight that's coming up um, in our denomination and, uh, yeah, if we're going to hold it. And also the, the other thing that comes with, um, I agree with you that this is the core of what we need to do to see reformation in our churches. And yet it's also, it's not only messy because there's conflict that happens, but it's messy because it's slow. <laughs> no, absolutely right. <laughs> I mean, well, that's and that's a that's a problem in our with our culture today. We want we want instantaneous results, and and this is this is not something that happens overnight. And, but the reality is, we ended up we've ended up in this situation. I mean, we've it, it was not overnight that we're we we came to where we are. So yeah. therefore, we we can't assume that it's going to change overnight either. Patient, patient, right? It's a fruit, right? They say. Yeah, that's somewhere. I don't know where. <laughs> Galatians five through <laughs> the spirit. Yeah, and it's true. And and we're not a patient people, and we want it fixed, and we want it yep. fixed now. And uh, and there's a part of us too that maybe I mean I'm. I guess I was in the CRC for a while, but I wasn't in a position to do much about where we were heading. And now being a pastor, I am in a position to do more about that. And, you know, I can kind of kick myself and wish I had been more involved earlier before we got to this point. And yet all we can do is be faithful with where we are right now and do the best we can. Um, But yeah, I've been trying to do my best to, to talk to other pastors 
in the CRC ones who are getting really nervous about how this report's going to go and talking about leaving and just trying to call them to patience because reformation takes patience. And I, I, I do believe that there is a time to leave a denomination. Um, I, you know, that's a hard call to make. I think we make it maybe too easily these yep. days, uh, for sure. But, uh, but I'm also begging and pleading with our solid conservative guys to stick with it. Keep discipling your people because that's, that's how reformation happens. We just get everybody grounded in God's word and we start changing, yep. changing the tide like that. And, uh, and it starts to happen. And, uh, so far I haven't, have you had a chance to read through the, the sexuality report yet? Just started it. I have not read it. I think I'm about, I'm only about 10 pages in. I, I read the, uh, uh, recommendations and such, and then uh, then jumped in to start reading the the actual report itself. So I know where it lands, but I haven't yeah. read the full depth of it yet. So. Yeah, well, it's what 180 pages or something like that. So it's not like a quick quick read. I know. <laughs> so yeah, I've I've uh, I've jumped in and out of it in various places. My goal is to I'm just starting to sit down and work my way through it, and so. Yep. Um, you know, my first inclinations are it's looking good and I'm happy with where it's, uh, for the most part, I think landing and, and, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm hopeful that so, we're, so if I, so kind of based on that, maybe you just gave it away, but I, I would just ask you a question. How are you feeling? Are you feeling optimistic or overall, or, or where do, where do you sit? Yeah, so I'm. I've told people I'm. I'm optimistic, um, but sometimes I'm an overly optimistic guy because <laughs> I. Um, but no, I'm optimistic at. I, I. I assumed that this sexuality report was going to land where it's at. Um, the the question is going to be how synod's going to go down in sure. June and uh, where we're going to land there and. You know, I do already see conversations happening with people where they're trying to, as R.C. Sproul would say, do uh, exegetical gymnastics. Yeah. Where they're like, well, what do they mean by this word? Do they really mean what? And uh, people already trying to pick around it and try to maneuver around it. So that that has me concerned. Um, and uh, and you know, some of the actions going on over in Grand Rapids. I know a lot of people already know about what's going on at Neyland. And um, so those things are concerning. And and yet, on the positive side, I think um, those of us who are trying to keep our denomination holding to conservative values, I think it was maybe more of a wake-up call for us and for a number of people that, oh, I can't sit back and just hope that things are going to be okay. We actually have to start doing something and taking yeah. a stand. And so yeah. that's my, that's my hope. I think, um, you know, long-term reformation, we need to hold to God's word. We need to preach it. We need to be passionate about it and we need yep. to disciple our people um, I think short term, in order to just hold our denomination together, is going to require some courage and boldness on our part as pastors Amen. to hold firmly to God's word and uh, and to uh, to discipline 
um, those who aren't. And that's where our denominate, we have really struggled with that for the last 20 years. Yeah. I would say um, to really land hard where we've been too worried about losing our denomination that we haven't been able to take a hard stance on things. And, uh, but because of that, I think that's why we're losing our denomination is because we mm-hmm. haven't taken a hard stance on things. And uh, as I'm saying that, I'm remembering another Calvin quote where, uh, oh, where did it go? Um, but he said, he said, the greatest injury done by wicked men is when they mingle with others under the pretense of holding the same faith. Mm. <laughs> um, which is true. And, uh, and so when, when there's no discipline happening, then you allow false teaching to kind of slide under the radar. And, uh, I mean, we have people in our denomination, uh, they're not ordained pastors anymore. They're kind of pastors emeritus. Yeah. Who are going out and holding massive teaching sessions in our churches about things that are contrary to what our denomination holds. Yeah. Leading, leading people away from where we're our official stances. And I think this is, um, this is not good. That's a lot of damage is being done in our, in our denomination because of it. And so I think short term, and especially at this upcoming synod, it's going to require us to take a stand and be bold and, uh, help people know that we're taking these actions because we love them. We love our church yeah. and we love them and we don't want to see them slide away from Christ. Um, but we need to take a stand on what we believe and, and, uh, and take some disciplinary action, which is tough. It, uh, discipline always stinks, right? Nobody, <laughs> nobody, no pastor enjoys having to take disciplinary action on a member and no denomination enjoys taking disciplinary action on a church or, or, right. or a classis or whatever. And yet I think that's where we're at. It and, does feel like we're at a crossroads for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, again, I, I know, and I'm not saying this to try to scare people or anything, but I just, I'm having a lot of conversations with pastors and they said, if, if things aren't handled rightly in June, we're done. And they're already looking at different denominations. And so if if our denomination that we've been struggling since, um, since the women in office issue back in the nineties, that was such a hot button in our, in our denomination. And, and we've kind of settled that and said, well, you can, you know, hold whatever position you want on that one. And, and a bunch of the conservatives left anyways. Yeah. And, uh, and I think again, pendulum swing, um, after that, we're like, all right, we're done fighting. We've been fighting over this for a long time. We're not going to fight over things anymore. And then things just stew under the surface. Right. And, uh, right. and then now here we are 20 years later and things are starting to blow up and, and we're going to have to, we're going to have to fight every, every healthy couple, every healthy covenantal relationship that you're in, you actually have to fight a little bit. You have to fight yeah, fair. <laughs> you have to fight. Right, fair. Exactly. No sucker punches, but you have to fight a little bit and, uh, and try to work, work things out and come to a conclusion. And so I think that's where we're at as a denomination. And, and I pray, I pray that we, uh, that the conservatives will step up and I pray that those who are trying to push us in more of a liberal direction would listen a little bit and uh, we'll see. I I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, I am optimistic. I, and I'm optimistic probably just for my own sake, because uh, like I said, at the beginning, I I really do love the Christian reformed church. 
And I think we have a lot to offer um, the church today and our country, you know, or wherever we're placed, right? You're in Canada, I'm in the U.S., but wherever we're at, just uh, there, we have a uniqueness to our theology that I don't think everyone realizes we're not um, there's nuances to what we believe and it would be sad to, to lose this heritage that's here and so yeah that's why I'm still here hoping to keep fighting the good fight that's all we have for this week stay tuned next week for an outsider perspective on the CRC when we interview Matt Wonderland until then don't forget this is Christ's church and he bought it with his blood And he warned us that wolves would come in and try to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation. Reformation.